one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay tonight i'd like to speak on the subject of life and how to live it i'm involved to the fullest in a full-time job of living as somebody said life begins at 40 but more and more i notice most people are dead by the time they get to 40 though they're not buried till they get 60. a lot of people have never entered into life's real arena they've never lived my text tonight is found in john chapter 10 and verse 10. this is the chapter that tells us that you got to go in at the door and if i never had read the bible but i believe that first verse when he said he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way the same as a thief and a robber and if i knew anything about heaven being a place where there will be no thieves nor robbers i'd know that i couldn't go to heaven if i didn't get to the door now if i believe that i could go to heaven through the door and i wanted to go to heaven i'd be looking for the door it's customary to put at least one door in every house and god has a door to his big house and it's a little different from some of the houses it only has one door they're not in the back door because there won't be no leaving all the traffic will be coming in at the front door <laughs> no side doors no trap doors just one big lovely front door i'm glad i met him jesus said i'm the door and brother if you want to go to heaven you're going to have to go through jesus i know there's some that say that uh, you got to go through the water and through the virgin mary and to the priest and through the church and through good works but jesus said i'm the door there are some people that say we've got the key but brother when i got the door i didn't need the key and so we must face bible truth and gospel truth jesus said i am the door there was one door in the ark there's one door to heaven and jesus is the door he said i'm the way the truth and the life and no man cometh unto the father but by me you'll never meet anybody in heaven that didn't come through the door everybody is going to be sold on jesus when we get to heaven Amen. you can argue about him down here and you can fuss about him you can say he was a good man and uh, he was a great prophet but brother when we get to heaven everybody's going to be singing he's a great savior Amen. 
Nobody is going to heaven except through Jesus. Now then, in the 10th verse, he talks about the thief. He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, the difference between a saved person and an unsaved person, the saved person has abundant life. Well, to outlive and outdash, out-testify and out-sing. Have you ever noticed that we've had a lot of music, so-called, in our generation? They even sing the commercials. You notice that? You see, this old world's a sad world, and they feel, well, if we can sing our commercial, maybe we can make them a little happier. Maybe they'll listen to us if we'll sing it. But, dear friends, there's only one tongue that can sing, and that's the one that belongs to Jesus. Our song, have you noticed the depravity of the songs and the music? You know, when I was a kid some 40 years ago, even the popular songs were clean and sweet and uh, nice. And they were not lustful like this silly, filthy rock and roll junk. The music is an index to a decayed nation. Now then, turn with me, please, to John chapter 6, and it's verse 63. 6.63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Isn't that a plain statement? He didn't say the flesh profiteth a little. Brother, according to the writer, which is the Holy Spirit, there's just nothing good about the flesh. Paul said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. God said, make no provisions for the flesh. And yet, whatever God told us not to do, that's exactly what we're doing today. Amen. He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's exactly where they're putting them. The average man is fighting and dying over what he's putting up down here. The Lord said, make no provisions for the flesh. And yet, just look at the time we spend doctoring up the flesh. Oh, I remember back yonder, they invented a little thing they called the vanity bench. You remember that? That thing's born in my day. But I mean, that's what they call them. You know that? And that's about right. But I mean, we're living in a time when most people spend a lot more time looking after the old decayed flesh than they are the spiritual life. Amen. I guarantee you there's more of the carpet worn out where the vanity bench sits than at the place where Mama kneels down to pray. God told us, don't fool away a lot of time monkeying with the flesh because that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. That's all it's ever going to be. Depraved when it comes, it's depraved when she leaves. And the first thing flesh knows and learns to do is sin, and the last thing it ever does is sin. The flesh never gets over it. Never. There's only one thing to do, and that's to so feed the spiritual man that he'll have power to make the fleshly man sit down. Paul said it in the book of Romans when he said, uh, when I would do good, evil is present with me. So the good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I do. So it's no longer I, but sin. Sin that dwelleth in me. And then directly, you know what he said? Oh, wretched man, wretched, wicked, ugly, ungodly man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who 
shall deliver me from this old dead body. Most of us, all women and men alike, we're so chained to these old dead bodies. Oh, he said, who shall deliver me from this old dead body? And then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Oh, he dropped that chain off of him. Then he came into that marvelous eighth chapter of Romans that everybody ought to memorize and said, Therefore, there's therefore now no judgment or condemnation. There's no chain body hanging on me anymore. Ah, oh, he said, the law of the spirit of life has made me free in Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin. Oh, listen, dear friends. That's the deliverance we need today in Christ. All right? He said, it's the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they're spirits, and they are life. I want you to look, please, at the book of Exodus for a moment. Exodus chapter 32. God's speaking to one of his seniors in high school. He's fixing to graduate. He's coming up to the final exam, and he's going to close out with his testimony. He's going to have an oral exam, and God's going to let him give his final testimony in a little while. God's telling him something here in this great chapter, the 32nd chapter. He said, Therefore now go lead the people under the place of which I've spoken unto thee. Behold, <coughs> mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit... I will visit their sins upon them. Verse 2 of the next chapter. I will send an angel before thee. Now then, verse 13. Now therefore, if I, if I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Verse 18. God is asking this precious old saint of God who's had, I think, the most outstanding experiences of any man that ever lived in the Old Testament. Born with a sentence of death on his little head. Floated in the ark of the bulrushes. Plucked by the princess. Trained by Pharaoh and yet taught by his own mama, Amen. the greatest babysitter that a baby ever had, and she got the job. And she poured into him a love for God and a love for the people of God. In verse 18, we find God, as he seemed to say, Moses, what would you like? What would you like now? He could have said, show me your power, but he saw that crossing the Red Sea. He could have said, show me a miracle, and he said, well, my... You've been living on those for more than 40 years. You saw the manna from, the, from heaven, the water from the rock, the quail from the east, fell of fire by day, and, and the, that central heating unit let down close to you by fire at night. He said, Moses, and dear friends, as we grow older in grace and begin to mature just a little bit, we don't want to just the gifts we want to give her. We don't want just the blessings we want to bless her. Oh, we want Jesus. We want his fellowship. We don't want to see his handiwork. We want to see his hand. 
We don't want to just hear his word. We want to see him and be like him. And he said, what would you like? You remember the last request he made? And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Brother, when you see God's glory, you're seeing God. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. He said, you got to get up pretty close to me. Got to stand by me, and you got to get on the rock to see my glory. You can't stand in the mud and see his glory. I want you to turn with me now to the book of Deuteronomy, the forget-me-not book. That sweet, precious book, chapter 33. Chapter 33. He starts off by saying, and this is the blessing. This is the blessing. Now go back to the 32nd chapter. And uh, this is the swan song of God's graduating prophet, Brother Moses. He said, give air, O ye heavens. Now speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Have you ever noticed that a prophet always invites heaven to hear what he's going to say, and he commands earth to listen to it? A prophet is never ashamed for heaven to tune in on what he's saying. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. He is the rock. Notice, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways of judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Now, brethren, this is what an old man said, who's walked, he's 120 now, and uh, his diploma is being sealed and signed in heaven, and he's going after it. This old man, bless his old sweet memory, he's not going to die. He's going to climb a hill and take off for home. Now, I want you to notice the final testimony. He said he is the rock and he's just right. He's just right. Read it. There it is. Just and right is he. What does that mean? It means he's just right. He didn't say that about anybody else, but he said the rock is just right. What a testimony about the Savior. And you say, wait a minute. Who do you think he's talking about? I don't have to think. I know he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus. You go to the book of Hebrews and see who he's talking about. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the fiction of the people of God, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a sea, esteeming the reproach of what? Who? Christ! More than the treasures in Egypt. And he had respect under the recompense of the reward, for he saw him who was invisible. He's talking about Jesus. He said he's just right. Preach on it sometime. He's just right as the Savior. He's just right as my keeper. He's just right as my architect to build my future home. Just right. Oh, uh, listen. Jesus stood at the end of his own earthly runway and said, which one of you convinces me of sin? All of them took the log, Joe. Not a word was uttered. How many of us could stand and sing or say, how many of you can find? Somebody would say, I know something wrong with you, but oh, not the Savior, not the Savior. Now then, let me tell you about life, if I can. First of all, in order to live, you've got to get born. Life begins at birth. You know, down in Texas years ago, we used to be known for packing 44s. 
But you know, I believe God's got some 44s that he wants us to pack. I want to give you a couple of, of the Savior's 44s. Matthew 4.4. 4. Let's see what he said. Jesus is talking. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. A lot of people in America trying to live by bread alone, but they're starving to death. Turn to 1 John 4.4. 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Isn't that a wonderful 44? Amen. Let's keep her loaded and keep firing. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Then let me ask you this. Why would we let the world overcome us? For instance, a wife has an unsaved husband, and she said, I, I, I know I'm saved, but I can't do a thing with him. Bible said he that's in you is greater than he's in your husband. He's got the devil in him. You've got God in you. Why don't you turn God loose on him? Amen. Is that the truth now? Amen. All right, why don't you quit alibying and wondering why you can't win your husband? Why don't you just turn him over to God? Well, you've got to be born before you can ever live. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was religious, but he was never saved. Not until he got to Jesus. And he came to him that night, and Jesus preached to him that wonderful sermon on the new birth. Now then, I, I, I've had something going through my heart and through my mind. This kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be a, I want to be a, a honeybee Christian. I mean, I want to be a sweet Christian. I, I want to be a gentle Christian. I want to be like Christ. I've been reading uh, over in the book of, of uh, Luke, the last chapter. And I want to show you something. And the Lord let me enlarge on this a little bit today. You know, Jesus had uh, got up out of the grave and didn't nobody believe it. Even after they went to the grave, they still didn't. The fellows went on the road to Emmaus, you remember? Cleopas and this friend of his, they was walking down the road and Jesus come walking up to him, you know, and it's awful sad because he's going in the wrong direction. You show me a Christian going the wrong direction, I'll show you one that's sad. So Jesus walked up and said, fellas, uh, uh, what's the conversation all about? Boy, well, I said, we, we've been thinking about this fellow prophet, you know, great in word and deed, and said the rulers and religious leaders come along and killed him, condemned him to death, and said they nailed nails to his hands, and he died, they put him in the grave, and that we'd kind of hoped that he'd be the one who'd come to save Israel. I wonder maybe if they didn't miss the boat. He ought to want to save everybody. But you see, that's one of their troubles. They just wanted Israel saved. Let us poor Gentiles go on to hell. Brother, you've got to get interested in everybody. I'm talking about the black folks and the red folks and the pink folks, all the rest of them. Just make up your mind. You don't care who they are. I just want them all saved. Well, Jesus uh, began it see, over with Moses, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And he began to... Uh, Discuss all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, that really has impressed me. You know the message of Jesus? You know what it was? It was himself. He told them about himself. And uh, they walked along the road, and the Bible said uh, their eyes were opened. He said uh, he opened the scriptures, and then he opened their understanding. And uh, verse 38, of course, you remember when they got over that to the table, he broke the bread, and... Their eyes were open. They recognized him, and they saw the nailed prince. And the Bible said they got up and took off 
back over at the road that they came and went into town giving a testimony. And uh, I believe they made a lot better time going back than did coming, don't you? And uh, so he said uh, unto them, verse 38, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Be a good question now, wouldn't it? Why are Christians troubled today? Why can't we behave ourselves? I mean, we knew all the time if we believe the Bible, this thing going to happen just like it's happening now. I mean, nothing's gone on wrong. I mean, God didn't know about it. I mean, this hadn't been any surprise to him. Behold my hands and my feet. Anytime myself, handle me and see, for spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. Now, I want to be a honeycomb Christian. They gave him a piece of honeycomb. Oh, listen, how long has it been since you gave Jesus a little piece of honeycomb? Honeycomb Christians. Honey. Now, let me tell you something. Before you can get some honeycomb, you've got to find a honeybee. Somebody's got to make some honey. And dear friends, every Christian ought to be a honeybee Christian. Now, I think we got a bunch of yellow jackets, bumblebees, and a good many dirt daubers. Have you ever noticed no dirt dauber? He never does doing. He, you never find him making any honey. He's just daubing dirt. I mean, he can he can fly, but he can't make no honey. But he can show all dirt. Yeah, he'll, and he just soon make his dirt dauber nest in the church houses anywhere. I'm talking about a piece of honeycomb tonight. <laughs> Yeah, listen dear. You know who it was giving that honeycomb? Is that bunch that were looking for him and that had had an experience with him. But listen, don't you know those two that came that that walked with him and came back, don't you know they're glad to share a piece of honeycomb with him? Brother, the people that give Jesus honeycomb are the people that he's sweetened up. The people that he saved that have been born again. Now let me say something else. If you're gonna be a honeycomb Christian, you got to make a beeline to Jesus. Have you ever heard of a beeline? You know, a beeline, that's a straight course, brother. You know, honeybees are not idle. They're busy. They're always a buzzing. And uh, they're making something sweet. And I'll tell you something else. If you're going to be a honeycomb Christian, you've got to locate the fruit that's got the nectar in it. You don't find a honeybee out yonder uh, with a bunch of old stinging nettles. He's going out yonder for something sweet. He's not big enough. You don't find a honeybee out in the barnyard. You don't find him out in an old muddy hog pen trying to get something sweet out of a hog pen. Brother, if you want to give some honeycomb to Jesus, you got to get where the honey is. Yeah. And I'll say something else. Did you know that a honeybee has one stinger, but his business is not to sting? And, and if everything goes along all right, that little honeybee will work a whole life and never use that one stinger. He never will. But i tell you something else. If he ever uses his stinger, he dies. That's all of it. Brethren, when Christians get to fighting and stinging, usually that's the end of them right there. And I want this church to remember that too. Though you're mighty sweet now, but i tell you one thing. I thought, I heard the devil call him a special business meeting and said, now listen, that bunch is making too much racket up there to suit me. I mean, they sing too loud and too long and too much. 
And they'd get down there and pray and said, I'd like to get right in the middle of that bunch. You better watch old Satan, old smutty face has come to town. If you're going to be a honeycomb Christian, I believe you ought to get in a gum somewhere. You know, a little bee doesn't say, now I'll tell you what, all you bees can go beyond, but I'm, I got me a private honeycomb out here. Now, bee gum, I'm going to, they all work together. Have you ever noticed that? They got a king and a queen, a leader. You know, they got scouts. And did you know, they tell me that if a bee heads out for nectar, something sweet to bring back to put in the bee gum, if he circles around, he'll never make it back. He only has enough gasoline to go from where he is at the gum straight to the place and right back. If he goes by the beer joint, he'll never make it. Oh, listen to me. God's people are loitering along the way. Let's go to that which is sweet and come back to the gum with it. Give him some honeycomb. Cooperate. They cooperate. They, you know, bees fellowship with bees. You don't find, you don't find honeybees around a bunch of wasps. You don't find them based in hornets. Bees hang around bees. And if we're going to be God's honeybees, we ought to work together. Stay together. Ah, listen, dear friend. There's no buzz to a bee just like a bee's buzz. I mean, he loves to hear the buzz of his neighbors. Oh, listen. They all have head-on collisions on their way there and back. Boy, one goes down this way and comes back the other. But they come in with something sweet. And the best way to find out whether you're a honeycomb Christian is whether you're sweet or not. And whether you're bearing something that's sweet. I'm told that a honeybee works an entire lifetime for one little teaspoon of honey. They tell me that if he has a real busy life and a good long life, the little honeybee makes one teaspoonful of honey. I wonder, do you know of somebody that's lived a long life and never made that much honey? Have you, are you a honeymaker? Have you got any honeycomb for Jesus? Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 855 Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.